if that's all right. Uh, just move this. Thank you, everybody. Whoops. Right. Do you know, thank you so much. What a lovely welcome to come back to. It's, it's great. It's absolutely amazing to be back here. I'm just going to tell you in a minute what I've been doing. But, but first of all, Lily, what can I say? And Rosemary, weren't they fantastic? <laughs> absolutely brilliant. Well done. Fantastic. I still say, though, Lily, it goes down to your, your year one teacher. That was me, by the way. <laughs> but it's so lovely to see her up here at the front. Fantastic. So, so again, thanks for your super welcome this morning. Um, Callie's here as well down the front. Our two children were going to come, but Beth's not feeling very well. But we're not going to say any more about that. Um, but we, we've actually been part of St Paul's for 19 years now, believe it or not. I can't believe it. Um, I don't know whether you remember, but David, who's now 18, used to crawl right under these chairs and he'd pop up the front here. But he's in the middle of his A-levels and Beth, as probably some of you know, is working with Russ, um, Russ Gant, who used to be our curate here up in Rowledge. She's um, learning to be a children's minister and studying at Ridley Hall as well. So life's move on for us, but we just want to say thank you because we know you've been there for us and you've supported us in in prayer and friendship and we feel so much part of you still which is fantastic and as I say we'll keep popping up now and again Um, but I I felt very strongly for a long time I had a a real pastoral heart and as Rosemary knows I I used to help on the pastoral team here here with with Pam as well and and Jackie and it was a great time but for a long time I wanted we live very near to Frimley Park Hospital and for a long time I kept thinking I'd really love to go and do something over there and be part of the voluntary chaplaincy team on a Sunday morning. And eventually, after about six or seven years, I actually got around to doing something about it. And Karen is also on the team, and Jackie Tatley's on the team. I know, Pam, you've been on the team as well. And so I actually did something about it after speaking to Tom uh, and Claire. And I don't want to say release me, but that's what they did. (laughs) They said, off you go. And it's been brilliant. As I said, it's something I've been really interested in doing and I I just thought it would be you know just visiting pastorally saying hello to patients but it's been far 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 more than that far more profound and such a deep experience than I ever imagined and I just really want to share that with you um, in terms of of what's happened and to reflect on some of those things and just to think about how what I'm going to share with you today can impact on us um whether it is in times of suffering, ordinary times or not, I think everything that we're going to unpick today is, is relevant for us, whatever our situation. Um, but I'm not going to answer the classic question, why does God allow suffering? I'm, I'm going to leave that to you, Tom, all right? <laughs> you can do that one. I'm not going to go there because, as we know, in the times we're in at the moment, um, you know, whether we like it or not, suffering happens this side of heaven. And it's here to stay. In fact, if you think about it, we all suffer at some point, probably most days, as a challenge or something that comes along. It could be something really small, like just stubbing your toe or maybe, I'm trying to look, not look at Tom again, but your favourite football team just, <laughs> just not winning. Or it could be something far more serious. Um, so there's this whole, whole level of challenge and suffering that we certainly experience. Now, I haven't witnessed patients at the hospital jumping out of the bed and being suddenly healed. Not yet, anyway. You never know. But I've seen God at work, and I've seen him in his comfort, his peace, and his presence in actually some really, really difficult circumstances. And and that's really what 
I want to talk to you about and hopefully we can you know re- that will resonate with some of you in terms of how we're living our lives day to day as well and obviously you know when we planned this we didn't know we would be at this point in our country with things going on so obviously this talk is quite poignant as well with the difficult fa- times that we find ourselves in so if we go to our next sl- slide really um I'm on there. Can we just go back one, Steve, onto um, God's transformational peace? Yeah. Okay. Right. So I just actually go go back to the other one. That's fine. Right. Thanks, Steve. So um, just before I go on to that bit, as I said, I just want to focus on God's transformational peace, His presence and His comfort during difficult times. Um, and that's what I want to focus on. And that is really what I've been seeing happening in the chaplaincy work at Frimley Park. I've, I've really seen God's peace, his presence, his comfort. And I, I have to be honest, I've not seen it like that before anywhere else. And that has fascinated me. And it's during some of the most difficult times of suffering and some of the most vulnerable people that I've met. And there's something in that. We know God is in that suffering He is there. He is clearly close in those difficult times. And I will come back to this, but we know God knows about suffering through the cross, through everything that that Jesus went through. But we'll we'll come back to that. A lot of people I've talked to are often on the fringe of Christianity. They might have heard things, they might know a little bit, um, or, or nothing. But he comes close to them too. And it's really, really exciting. So God's clearly close to those who are suffering he shows up. It's amazing in that hospital. I don't know whether you know the hospital well, but there's a buzz there. There's life there. There's, there's everything going on there. And we are so blessed to be living near Frimley Park because it is an amazing place. I love being in that place. It's incredible. There's such a sense of positivity about God from from, from all, you know, you can walk into into the ward and offer prayer or communion or whatever you're doing and no one seems that worried about it, you know. It's a different setting, it's a different place. There's such an acceptance and openness. The hospital is a thriving place. It's a place, if you think about of new life, with uh, new babies being born, everything in between to the end of life. And it's a vibrant place. And I think through that vibrancy, spirituality is heightened. And God is there in that rough and tumble of life. And, it's a, and it's, a, it's a place where I've seen him time and time again, which is really what I want to talk to you about. A few weeks ago, I um, was walking through one of the wards. I don't think they're here. I saw Roddy last week. Is he here? Roddy's not here. He's probably still recovering. But it was lovely to see Roddy. And I know Karen, you went to see him as well. So Karen and I were doing some chaplaincy work last week. Went to see Roddy. And it was lovely just to share communion with him. It was so nice. There he was in his bed looking a bit un-Roddy-like. And, um, but we were able to pray with him and say some communion. But a few weeks back, I was wandering along. And I saw Dot. You know, Dot and Peter, Maine. You know, we all know Dot. I'm sure you do. And this is just an example, really, of the acceptance of... Of, of God in, in, in the hospital there. And you know what it's like with Dot and Peter. Before you know it, you're in the middle of a party, aren't you? And um, we, we were there. And you know, I, had to, I said earlier I didn't get anyone jumping out of their bed, but Dot nearly did, trying to sort everybody out and make sure they were all happy and, and you know, all, all, all comfortable. And Dot was the one who wasn't very well. Um, and we ended up sharing communion. But 
typically in Dot and Peter fashion, it, it basically turned into a party in the middle of the ward. You know, we had people coming from all the beds coming over to have communion, or what's going on here, what's going on here? And it was, it was, it was like being in the middle of Dot's caravan at New Wine, but then suddenly we were at Frimley Park. But, but it, was, it was quite something, because people were there in that difficult time when Dot had pneumonia or whatever she was struggling with. But God's presence was there in just pulling people in and talking through what was happening and just praying together, and the acceptance was huge. Right, I think I changed my slides around, Steve. Sorry, I've really messed you up. Can you go back one for me? That's it, right. So, so we're going to jump. We'll, I'll tell you what we're doing in a minute. So, um, really, <laughs> really, this is what we're... It's really quite... I don't want to say straightforward, but most of the time on a Sunday morning, we are going around the wards and we get given um, a list of people who, who would like communion. And often there are other people who want communion as well. And so we're really, you know, people are, patients are receiving the body and blood of Christ. So we're, we're doing that fairly regularly. Even at the moment, we're just about still allowed to do that. Um, I often, often find myself in discussions about the cross, which I'll come back to in a minute. And another thing that we often do, or regularly do, is sharing the Lord's Prayer. And they, I would say, the main three things I certainly do when I'm doing the voluntary chaplaincy work. Um, And, as I say, many conversations. And for me, I know, you know, they're pretty much the standard things that we have in our faith, and sometimes I know I can take these for granted. But, and this is what I unpick, want to unpick with you, each one of those things, in such a way that I've never seen before, has just allowed patients in such difficult times to receive the peace of God and his comfort and his compassion. And actually, what I sometimes think is the ordinary has been changed into the extraordinary, and that is something for us which has really, in terms of people's suffering which I'll go on to in a minute, that peace and that comfort has come down and it has been that transcendent and superseding peace. And as it said in our reading, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guide your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And this is where it gets really exciting because those verses are actually coming alive for the patients that we visit and becoming a real tangible truth in people's life and making such a difference to people from all walks of life. I've met so many people. I love the fact that I don't know what's going to happen next when you walk in that hospital. It's so exciting. Um, Now, peace, as I said, the peace comes. It could be a smile from someone who's in extreme pain and you can see God's peace. It might be the calming of an emotional, stressful situation, and you can see God's peace. And that may turn into serenity. serenity sorry. Often, if we say the Lord's Prayer, we might be saying it with somebody who is suffering from quite severe dementia, and guess what they can remember? They can remember the Lord's Prayer. And that is incredible in itself. They can't remember who the person next to them is, might be their son or their daughter or their other half, but they know the Lord's Prayer. And there's power in that, which I'll come back to in a minute. So this peace that comes in these situations does exactly what we're reading here. It overrides, it supersedes. It doesn't take the pain, the problem, the illness away. But it supersedes, it overrides those difficult circumstances that people in. And it really does, and I've seen it, 
guard hearts and minds in these difficult circumstances. And that really is my message to you. I'm not going to stop there, but that's my message to you in these difficult times, receiving God's superseding, transcendent peace, which will override and bring you and protect you from those situations that we find ourselves in that are challenging or in times of suffering. God's peace is powerful, and do you know what? It mitigates against suffering. I've seen it time and time again, particularly physical suffering. It mitigates against it. And without absolute doubt, improving our spiritual health and working with patients in the hospital to do that has a very, very obviously positive effect on both physical health and mental health. And actually, there's some research that says that for mental health particularly, that if you have a faith or you have a spiritual side to your life, your mental health will definitely be improving. So I just want to share some of those thoughts with you that I've noticed where I've seen the peace of God come in and mitigate against those difficult circumstances that I've been seeing, that overriding when God is winning through and overriding and superseding those challenging times. So, we go to our next slide, Steve. So the power of the cross during difficult times. I often find myself in, in a discussion. We have these T-shirts. I don't know if you've ever seen, but we have a T-shirt. It's got a little cross on the sleeve. Not too big, just subtle, so that we walk in. People often think I'm a doctor, which is quite funny, because that would be a disaster. Um, but if we walk in and a doctor, no, I'm not a doctor. Um, we get called all sorts of things. I've even been called father once, which is quite impressive, but I'm not a priest. Um, padre, because it's a, a military hospital, which is interesting. Uh, but really, we are volunteers. But through that voluntary work, we're experiencing some amazing things. Um, so, yes, we, and also we carry little picks with the communion wafers in, and they have the wine in, in, instilled in it. So we're not carrying wine around the hospital, which is best way to do it. But I often find myself in conversations about the cross with patients, really interesting conversations, and I'll come back to that in a minute. But if you think about it, the cross is not only that powerful symbol of the most awful, brutal suffering of Jesus, but it's synchronized, isn't it? It's synchronized, it's in unison with the most loving, wonderful, life-giving resurrection of Jesus as well. The two actually go like that. They go hand in hand. And so out of suffering comes the love of God that just wins over time and time and time again. And that's for us. The power of that cross is what it does. It's coming out of the suffering and the peace of love of God, coming out of that suffering, winning over and over again. And that's where the power is. The power in that cross is in that synchronization of that suffering and then the peace and love of God winning over and coming out of that suffering. And also, of course, God knows about suffering. Boy, does he know about it. Which I, well, I think he shows up at the hospital time and time again. He's there. He's done it. He's been there. And that compassion he shows and the empathy in, from an appalling situation that Jesus went through and to appalling situations that we find some of our patients in, he knows. He's there in his loving compassion and empathy. And that, again, brings that sense of overriding, superseding peace. Ultimately, God's power and ultimately peace. And so the cross of Christ still exudes this power and can bring the peace of Christ to us right now, right here. 
just a couple of stories, quite a funny one actually. Um, I was doing walking around um, one of the wards, and someone was quite a burly sort of chap was was watching me, and I kept thinking, sorry, what's he? Uh, What's he watching me for? I think I was just giving somebody communion or saying the Lord's Prayer, and someone was tracking me as I was, you know, he's almost following me with his eyes. He's just a chap in his dressing gown, big, big bloke. I thought, didn't, I sort of kept thinking, what, what's, what's he doing? What's going on? Anyway, I kind of finished up in the ward and uh, walked out, and I heard this, excuse me, mate, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> and I stopped, and I thought, oh, no, what's this? This is going to be interesting. I was thinking the worst, but actually what happened was he said, uh, I, I, need to, I need to ask you something. And I thought, this, still thinking this is not going to go very well, but actually it was, it was not that at all. Um, and there he was in his dressing gown, and uh, he said, can I show you something under my dressing gown? And I, I thought this was really going to get bad now. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, so, okay, sure, sure, thinking this is, could go horribly wrong in a minute. But anyway, eventually, sorry, right, don't panic, everyone. He reveals under his dressing gown, a, no, a, a cross, a very, a, a whopping great cross, actually. And he said to me, "I've been wearing this for the last month." My girlfriend said I should go and buy one. I said, "All right, okay. Why is that?" And he said, um, "Well, for the for about four years, I've been having horrendous nightmares. My mental health's been over the, all over the place." anxiety, everything you can think of, which is one of the main reasons he was in here. And uh, he, he had this, this huge cross on. And he said, she said, you know what I do now? He said, I, I just sleep with this, I touch it, it's with me all the time, and it's gone. No nightmares. My mental health's improving. I'm coming out of hospital. My life is coming together. He said to me, do you think that's God? And I went, absolutely. <laughs> it's the power of that cross around your neck. And he said, I thought so, mate. And he walked off. (laughs) And then he turned around and he said, I'm going to tell all my mates that because they've been taking the mickey out of me wearing this cross. And that's real life rough and tumble with the cross making that difference to that man's life. We just see that happening. Actually, myself, um, this time last year, I went on, um, you're not going to believe this, but I did a five-day silent, everybody, hope you're impressed, silent retreat. We cannot speak for five days. Thoroughly recommend it. The closest of God is nothing like it on those kind of things. I, yeah, I didn't think I could do it, but I did it. Um, but I have to say, I arrived. It was in North Wales, beautiful place. I arrived stressed. I was feeling physically unwell. I had things churning around my head about school, as usual. Um, <coughs> And I had stuff going on. Our son David was in the middle of um, some trouble with his A-levels and a job he was doing. And it was all going on. And I arrived there. And I met my spiritual director the first night. She said, you're not in a good place. (laughs) She said, write down everything that's troubling you. Put it on a piece of paper. Stick it under the cross in your room. So you have a little room and there's a cross in the room. So I thought it's a bit strange. But I did. So I did that. Put it up, folded it up, put it up there. And you know what? You can guess what happened. It went. It went from my thinking, it went from my heart, and I was able to focus on my five-day retreat. And then I sadly got to the end of it, of the retreat that was, and thought, I've read about to take this piece of paper down, piece of paper down. But I left it there, and I thought, someone's going to get that piece of paper and think, oh my word. <laughs> you know? um, but I left it there, and I got back home, started work a few days later, and everything just went into place. 
And that, again, is the power of the cross. And it was just so amazing for me to come out of that time into that retreat and come back. The power of the cross allowing me that peace and everything coming into place. And I don't know about you, but I forget that sometimes, especially as a head teacher. Where's Sue? There she is. Wave at me. I forget that sometimes, but the power's there. And if we can go to the next slide, Steve. There it is. It says, but to us who are being saved, the cross is the power of God. So I need to remind myself that in these difficult times to lay my challenging circumstances at the foot of the cross, to let God deal with it. And he does. He really does. And it's exciting, isn't it, that that Bible, that our Bible trees are coming alive again and just bringing God's resolving peace. Okay, we go to the next slide. One of the other things I did, as I said, is we share the Lord's Prayer a lot with patience, which is super um, <clears throat> we often get to the bit where we say, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And those words very often cause emotion or for our patient or myself to stop and pause. Because I've noticed more and more there's often sometimes a place of unforgiveness and the patient has to stop. They can't go any further. There's a blockage God's peace isn't coming where there's that unforgiveness. And actually, that unforgiveness is often causing more suffering than the physical problems themselves. And so it's a real privilege to be able to lead patients through a process of forgiveness for both themselves and for others. Um, as I say, it's often more of a problem. But what, I've, what we're noticing again is once that forgiveness has, has been sought, received, and others have been forgiven... God's peace comes. There's a sense of fulfilment, finished business, particularly if someone's at the end of their life. There's a release of negative feelings, resentment, vengeance, which is actually doing more harm than the patient, than probably what's going on in their physical world. And they're released into that place of freedom and peace. Remembering, though, of course, that forgiveness isn't about forgetting, excusing or condoning, but it's, again, it's that powerful, powerful presence of God through forgiveness. Only last Sunday, actually, when I was just finished writing this, I met a, a patient and she had four days to live, which focuses the mind, believe you me, when you meet people uh, in those situations. But she was in turmoil. She had cancer. She'd been told four or five days to live. She was in turmoil. But interesting, the turmoil was not about her cancer. It was about the fact that she fell out with her son and she hadn't spoken to him for five years. And that was emotional. She couldn't shift out of that. There was no peace at all. No peace. She wasn't in any good place at all. She wasn't really worried about the fact she was dying. It was this lack of peace through what was going on with her son. But do you know what? We had the most amazing conversations and time together and we ended up going through a process where she did forgive her son. And it was, you could see the peace coming again. Um, she forgave him and then we began to talk about all the good things in her life that had happened. The fact that she was a singer, a songwriter, she'd made, rec she'd made records, I'm showing my age now. She'd made, uh, she'd made recordings, she had a great marriage, she'd got lovely grandchildren. She had all sorts of lovely things in her life. And her lovely husband came along as well. And she began to shift out of that place of turmoil into that place of peace again. And God's peace came and again superseded and won over what was going on for her. And actually what she was doing is what we heard in our reading. 
She was focusing, as well as that forgiveness, she was focusing on whatever was lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And as she did that, God's peace came. And do you know what? She's probably not with us anymore. But she died, I hope, my prayer is that she died in that state of peaceful forgiveness and that time of being able to think and reflect on the good things that she is thankful for. And I know her husband and her, when uh, her husband said, right, what we've got to do these last few days is just talk about all the good things we've done in our life. And I just hope that's what they did. So there's a real message for us, <coughs> excuse me, for us there too. Forgive and be forgiven. Focus on the good things in your life. Be thankful, however little or how very much, and receive the peace of Christ in difficult times and in ordinary times through those two things. Okay, we jump to the next slide. Thank you. Um, this is actually seeing God's bigger picture, his eternal promises in nature, his wider view rising above. The two sets of words there, the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then as we're sharing communion, and keep you, we say, and keep, keep you in life eternal through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is probably the most powerful thing that I've seen and witnessed at the hospital that brings God's overriding peace in difficult circumstances. When we say these words through the Lord's Prayer or communion there, suddenly there's a stop again, there's a pause, there's a sense in tricky, difficult circumstances, particularly if someone's at the end of their life, or not, it doesn't really matter. But there's a sense, a realisation of God's eternal promises, of God's bigger picture for us and plans for our lives. And that shift of that focus of the suffering becomes much wider. And there's a sense that God has got us. He's with us. He'll catch us when we fall. Whatever happens, God will never leave our side. And his eternal peace is with us and will come to us all. A sense of eternal peace lifts people out of their immediate and difficult circumstances into God's wider and bigger picture for their life, be it in eternity or the rest of our plan for our life on earth. And this brings peace, knowing that. It's quite incredible. It's a bit like if you have a, a wide-angle lens on your camera and you're looking at the, the bigger picture. My colleague at work, when I'm in tricky circumstances, said, Richard, rise above it. Because <laughs> I'm sometimes so focused on the problem. And look at all the other good stuff you're doing. And that's what I mean by looking and, and rising above and seeing the eternal promises that God has for us. And again, when patients do that and they realise that, the peace comes. Um, I know this is a bit tricky for some people because you may well have been through it, but I, I, I grappled with actually talking about this or not. But uh, in the summer, so uh, I think it's important to say, I, I um, helped out and shadowed a, a funeral of a baby who was born... Um, stillborn, really, really challenging circumstances. And actually, as a family, not Callie and I, but my, my brother had, had the same challenging issue when they lost a baby uh, a couple of years ago, stillborn. So really, really difficult circumstances, terrible place of suffering. But do you know, I was part of that funeral, and uh, I can't explain it really, but it, through the things that were happening and the words that were said, we're in a thin place. Do you know what I mean by a thin place? Heaven and earth were touching. 
they were touching, God's hand of peace and comfort, compassion, were tangible. I never, I never thought it would be like that. It was, on the face of it, a really tricky thing to do. But God's eternal promises were there. And these were some of the words which just allowed that funeral to become this thin place, which was so comforting for the family. And it said this, the, 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 the vicar, who, the chaplain who led it said this, Into your arms, gracious God, we return to you this child, complete and precious in your sight. She has not known the light nor the darkness of this world, but only the love in which she was made and held. As she travels from our longing to your care, receive her in heaven's safekeeping and enfold her in your peace this day and forevermore. And that's what happened. And that's where that thin place came. Heaven and earth touched. You could almost see, feel, hear God's hand just bringing that child in. It was, it was incredible. And again, that is important for us to know. God's eternal promises were there. Um, God's eternal promises were fulfilled. And the understanding of God's promises and plans for our lives brings that peace and personally, after that service, I felt so close to God. It was quite amazing. I've never felt anything like it. In that most tragic circumstance of losing a baby and having the funeral service came the most prayerful, worshipful time for both myself and I know for that family as well. So again, we see that overriding peace of God. It felt, in fact, the suffering of God Actually, Simon and I were talking the other day, is probably the number one thing, suffering in building your faith. But again, it was all to do with that rising above. And it was the most wonderful thing for both the family to know that actually there was a sense of perfection. Because before the baby was born, there was nothing but love. And then as they went into God's loving hand, there was nothing but love. So it's a sense of pure perfection. And the comfort in that was quite incredible. Right, we're nearly there. Just a couple more things. So you can, I hope you can tell. So doing this check, you can see why I don't turn up on a Sunday morning. Because I'm here, that is. Um, much as I love you all dearly. But um, I just get such a buzz out of what we're doing at the hospital on a Sunday. Because of some of the things I've spoken to. And for me... It just brings me life. You know, it, it says I've come, in, in John 10.10, 10, I've come that I may have life and have it to the full. And I just feel like that after I've done some of this work at the hospital. It really energises me. It actually sustains me for the week. I know tomorrow when I walk into school, it's all going to be about, guess what, coronavirus and are we going to shut? Should we allow a school trip to go to, on Tuesday? I don't know. <laughs> but I know... That today and working and doing my work in the hospital just sustains me for the week. It restores me. And I think these questions are good for us to think about. I'm not standing here saying you should all become voluntary chaplains in the hospital. It wouldn't work for everybody. But what is it that brings you, all of you, a God-centered life in all its fullness? So find it, repeat it, and find God's peace in it. Because I do on a Sunday morning through doing this, God's peace. When I come home, Callie will vouch for it. I skip through the door. I sometimes skip down the hospital wards. It's a bit odd. <laughs> but it's, it, it brings me to that place where I know God's peace. And it helps me deal with difficult circumstances and challenges. So what is it for you? And also, 
it's, diff- it's, it's really important to recognise what is it not for you and stop doing those things because actually you have to do difficult things sometimes but get on with the stuff that gives you God's peace because that will really help you in those difficult times as well. So, if we just pop to the next slide. So we, we've talked really about these three things, communion, Lord's Prayer and the, and, the, and, and the cross. Absolutely central to our faith, but also the amazing peace of God that comes through them in any time and in particularly times of suffering has been incredible. And we, I, we mustn't forget that. I know I can take these things for granted and sometimes I find myself just going through the motions perhaps saying the Lord's Prayer without really you know, thinking, meaning it, saying, taking communion and just accepting that the cross is there. But these are the most precious, peace-giving things of Jesus. If you think about it, those three things, all the things that Jesus just simply teaches us to do. He knew what he was talking about, folks, and he knew what would give us peace now in difficult times and in ordinary times. He knew that these things were important and to bring us peace. So we mustn't dilute these things. We mustn't take them for granted. Those things that Jesus has taught us to do. Not just these things, but everything that he teaches us to do. We must not forget them because that's when the peace of God comes. And as I hope you've heard today, I've absolutely seen it in making a tangible difference to people's lives. So just to finish up. I just want to read to you this again. So whatever you've learned, whatever you or received or heard from me or seen in me and put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. And that is what I'm really trying to say. Those things that Jesus teaches us to do bring that sense of God's peace. So here we are. We're back where we started. And as you've heard, really, putting those lessons of Jesus truly and deeply into practice not just during difficult times, actually, not just times of suffering, but during our ordinary time as well. Bring, bring, bring God's peace to be with us, and our prayer is that it will continue to do so.